Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, we have a series on CBD and cannabis that we're going to be sharing with you. I hope you'll enjoy the next few episodes and learn a bit more about this natural product. Also, please be sure to go check out our new book that is available on Amazon for pre-order, How Pharmacists Lead, Answers from women to watch who are leading, succeeding, and making an impact in pharmacy. We hope you'll go check it out. We're curating credible information about natural products brought to you by a clinician, pharmacist Hillary Blackburn. With the increase in the use of natural products such as cannabis, dietary supplements, herbs, and essential oils over the past few years, The purpose of this podcast is to bring expert information to our audience of healthcare professionals and even the public who want to learn more. This podcast is not intended to be for direct medical advice. Please refer to your doctor, pharmacist, or other healthcare professional for specifics related to your own health. Our guest, Jeremy Jacobs, proudly serves as chairman of Enlighten, where he manages a team with a collective 20 years of experience serving Fortune 500 companies, first-class retailers, and top-end brands all over the world, bringing cutting-edge retail technology to the cannabis industry. With an education-forward approach, Jeremy and the Enlightened team help their partners grow their brand and build relationships with their customers through a variety of solutions. Its technology solutions are intended to increase revenue and awareness and keep customers engaged. Jeremy, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Well, I'm glad to be here, Hillary. Thank you. Uh, Now we will get started with just kind of, let's dive in about cannabis. So I think, you know, just from a baseline, we were just talking before I got rolling, but tell me a little bit more about the the history of cannabis and then maybe like how you got into this industry. Yeah. Interesting story. So uh, I'll tackle the second question first. So I've been in the digital signage, digital menu and interactive kiosk business literally before the words digital signage, digital menus, and interactive kiosk existed. We were some of the people pioneering that space. And uh, one of the interesting partnerships I have is with Cisco Foods, and they've been selling my digital menus for a long time. And a rep in Colorado calls me about six years ago and says, I have some friends are going to open a recreational marijuana dispensary in Denver. What do you think about making digital menus and digital signage for a cannabis dispensary? And, you know, I got excited about that. And so that is literally where my story began is at the Mm -hmm. same time recreational cannabis began. And so he stopped servicing the Cisco uh, clients and started serving the, the cannabis industry. And we started in Denver and, you know, now we're in 39 states and three countries. So it's been a been a big journey, uh, you know. And kind of your your question there, the first question about the history of cannabis. Uh, you know, what's interesting about cannabis is it's been around for literally tens of thousands of years. We actually have writing 
uh, all the way back into Egyptian times where there's references of cannabis as medicines. And, and I'd love to send over, you know, after this conversation, some, some different articles and, and, and different uh, slideshows you could take a look at of all the different writings and various places where cannabis is referred to. What's most interesting, and I think what creates this opportunity for all of this, is that the last hundred years it's been illegal. And so there's not a medical professional that went to school that probably even knew what the endocannabinoid system was before five years ago. Very few of them anyway. So there's not a doctor. There's not a pharmacist. This is not a common thing. And so not only is there fogginess around those professionals and what to do with this, but there's definitely fogginess with consumers. And so that's sort of what our role is is to take this vast experience in our in our visual technologies that communicate with people and this absence of cannabis education. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. And, you know, kind of pull together from all the sources we can that are valid and get that in front of people to accelerate that learning curve. So that's sort of what our mission is. Very interesting. And so, Jeremy, um, it looks like you're also the executive director for Kentucky's For Normal. Yeah. Yeah. Tell tell the listeners what Normal is and, and what you do with that role, too. Yeah, so one of, I was the executive director until recently. Now, one of my good friends and one of the people that got me started in that took over that position. But, but what normal is, it's a national organization for reformation of marijuana laws. It's the oldest cannabis advocacy group on the planet. They have chapters uh, literally in all states and, um, and you know, focus very hyper-local. So, so, they will, um, so they will have a series of... Uh, They'll have a series of chapters within a particular area uh, as far as locales are concerned of, of individual cities and counties. And I served as the executive director over the entire state of Kentucky and helped to put together some of those sub chapters. And really what the focus is, is to advocate to politicians and the like. Uh, to try to change marijuana laws, get people that, you know, are, are sick involved in, in helping to show those legislators that this is a, this plan is a medicine uh, and really just open up the public's viewpoint on cannabis because I think a lot more people would advocate for it if they understood it better. And that's part of what the group's about, to lobby politicians as well as to advocate for education to, to consumers. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. And so... Just for the to level set, because uh, I know in Tennessee, cannabis has, has still not been passed, although it's been brought up uh, a couple of times over the past few years. What is what is the state of, of Kentucky at this point? 
Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, it's not for lack of my effort. Kentucky is still not a medicinal state. It's not a recreational state. Uh, several of the legislators have continued to put cannabis into committees that are ran by known anti-cannabis uh, people. Mm -hmm. And so you know, these, these things, continue, which is a standard tactic for politicians that don't want to see change, is they send things to committees to die. Uh, it's it's not this is not just isolated to cannabis. This is isolated to politics in general, yeah. and this is what yeah. you you know this is what your Congress people do when they personally don't want something to pass. They'll send it to a place to die. That is what has gone on now for for literally years. Uh, Mitch McConnell, however, you know, being a U.S. senator, arguably one of the most powerful people in the country, uh, he is uh, advocated very strongly for hemp. I think a lot of people felt like that was going to usher in, you know, legalized cannabis in the state of Kentucky. Recently, though, he charged the DEA with coming up mm -hmm. with a way to immediately test to know if something is hemp or marijuana. So it's being made blatantly clear that he has zero mm -hmm. interest, it, it appears, in supporting marijuana uh, and only supporting industrialized hemp. And so we, it doesn't look like we're going to get much mm -hmm. lift from our federal congressman either. Yeah, and and that just to be clear, so the um, the bill that you're referring to that um, Senator McConnell introduced was passed. It's the part of the Farm Bill in December of 2018 that Correct. legalized uh, hemp as long as it was less than 0.3% THC. Uh, and so that's all over the country. Anybody can go online or go into a store, even a gas station, and uh, get CBD. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Yes. Um, so speaking of, of different laws and things, I am seeing that there is more interest in the research component. And I think there's been a lot of, of interest around just helping people to make the pathways easier for research. So in the past, it's been really challenging to get any kind of research uh, just to get education about cannabis. Uh, so it is looking like that is on target. I, I think I've been seeing that even at the federal level, they're, they're bringing up some um, possibilities of how they can make that easier because that's that's really what it what it gets down to is how do we get more people aware of of you know separating the fact from fiction. Yeah, conclusive scientific evidence would be wonderful. I yes. think there's not a person on the planet that does not agree with that statement you're making. Absolutely. And, and there's, you know, there's challenges. And like I was saying earlier, it was illegal for 100 years. And so there were very few people allowed to study it. There were a few universities, Mississippi and up in the Northeast, there's been some studies that have conducted. But primarily, most of the studies have been outside of the United States. And the other challenge with that is that the United States seems to not believe um, this is what I see, again, with people that don't seem to want cannabis legalized. They don't seem to believe any other place other than their own state or their own federal government is capable of conducting research. So there is tons of research out there. You Israel, just have to accept that Canada. other people in other countries, yeah, that other people in other countries also know how to conduct research. And so I think, again, that's a deficiency you know, maybe not in the research, but in our willingness to accept what has been conducted. And so that, but, but they are ramping that up. I'm excited to see that. 
you know, and, and you're seeing a tremendous amount of cannabis research, especially centered around CBD, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, m- which my company believes will be roughly 400 percent larger than its marijuana brother. Uh, as far as, you know, the, the quantity that will be consumed by the consuming public. Yeah. So that's that's very helpful because, yes, there is certainly some other research across the world that has been conducted. And if you want to go or, you know, you do a PubMed search and there's lots of different um pieces there. Uh, but a lot of it is refuted because, you know, it wasn't doesn't meet certain standards, although the National Association uh, for Science and Medicine did put together a comprehensive document, or the National Academies, I believe back in 2017, 2018, so um, I've been digging into that to, to get some more information. And I've got and I've got a ton of resources I could send you as well. We have a content curation team here that they basically they receive articles from universities, scientists, doctors, just anyone that that has the credentials to be able to be considered an expert in science, medicine, and things of the like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take those in, we consider the sources, and that's what we use to generate the content that's on our screens. Okay. Uh, is, is that particular content? So we have a um, well, I don't know if it's the most comprehensive list of resources in the world, but it's a big list, and that's where we get this information from. Interesting. Um, and so what what does that kind of look like? Tell us a little bit more about that process and, and how uh, that information is then used. Absolutely. So uh, our information, like I said a minute ago, it comes from doctors, universities, pharmacists, people with advanced degrees in medicine or science, basically. As long as you have an advanced degree in medicine or science, we'll consider your work. Uh, as long as it's not completely contradictory to literally everything else we find. And sometimes we find that. And again, those are anti-cannabis advocates that are out to promote anti-cannabis discussion. Uh, it's fairly easy to spot. Uh, but what we do is we intake that information. And then our objective is to turn that into a digestible uh, tidbit of information. People have the attention span when they're in shopping of somewhere between seven and a half seconds and 15 seconds. So what you're not generally capable of doing is telling a very long-winded story. So you've got to break these things down into small components. You know, what is CBD? What's the difference between CBD and THC? Will it get me high? Will I fail a drug test? Uh, what, has it been known to have some impact on uh, you know, the, these kinds of small, what is a terpene? That's a big thing now because people are seeing terpenes infused into CBD. You know, right. what does that mean? And how does that impact me? And so you have to break it down into, let's call it snack size pieces of information. Mm-hmm. And then you visually have to demonstrate that on a screen uh, with, you know, very highly animated promotional videos that the graphics can support the text. We do this without sound because a retail environment from an audio standpoint is very distracted. And so it's very visual. The words are on the screen, big, huge fonts. They're moving around and it's telling a story. We typically produce 15 to 30 second clips, you know, to say, what is CBD? How is it different than THC? Will it, you know, and those segments are then fed to our screens that are literally in over a thousand locations across 39 states and three countries right now. Hmm. Yeah. So Jeremy, that's, that's really interesting because, you know, a lot of, of consumers, I mentioned gas stations. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of uh, amazing that 
Um, he can get CBD in a gas station now, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) so it, it is, I mean, there is an endocannabinoid system, just like the respiratory system, cardiovascular system. So it, there are different ways that it works. And so, um, just like any supplement, uh, that somebody could get, you know, whether it's at, at, um, any retail store or grocery store or, um, so yeah, so so how would people be able to get information that that you all provide? Because um, are are you all mostly working with some of the dispensaries that are out, or or where sure. would would that kind of information be? Because I I would feel like it would be helpful to have that wherever there might be some CBD products because I think the ad- education is certainly sure. lacking on it. Oh, absolutely. So we have two different models, a lot like modern technology companies. One is a free model where we actually provide even the hardware, uh, absolutely free of charge, installation, the content software and everything to run our content network. Those that you have to qualify for that. uh, And in order to qualify, you either have to have a marijuana dispensary in a legalized state that meets our criteria or you have to have a, a pharmacy. And right now we work primarily with independent pharmacies. There's a lot of big chains having discussions with us. But the, we install in the marijuana dispensaries a large format screen that educates about cannabis. In pharmacies, we install an entire shelving system that has racks on it where the product would be found right underneath the screen. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a store within a store concept. Uh, and there we provide that free of charge. The only thing the pharmacies have to do is uh, they're on like a net 30 for the products that we supply to that shelf. Mm -hmm. Uh, But those products are of highly vetted, you know, CBD or even all other alternative wellness products like fish oils and things like that. You mentioned nutraceuticals. The pharmacies have asked us for additional products instead of just CBD. So we've, we've come to that to say, okay, we can do that for you. They've all basically said, we don't have time to do the research. You guys seem to have it under control. Help us out. But if they're free to those locations, uh, other locations, if they don't qualify, can still buy our content. And we, we have reps here that can explain it, but it starts off with small licensing fees. And you can stream or deliver this content to basically any kind of screen out there. So people that are wanting to educate their customers, I would encourage you to figure out if you qualify for a free system. And if you don't, uh, to consider our, our, you know, our content system that's, that's available for a, a fee each month uh, because the education it delivers has been proven in a lot of cases, especially in pharmacies, we've seen as much as a 400% increase in CBD sales when it's installed. And so it's something to, to highly consider when you think about a 400% increase, that's not a small increase. And so we do, again, have a free model and we have a paid model. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. So that is, that is fascinating. And I'm sure certainly a benefit to um, the, the uh, independent pharmacy owners and, and others that are using it because Mm-hmm. Um, there's just such gaps in education around the product. So, um, really interesting model that you've been able to develop and, and really curate, um, that information. So Jeremy, just down to some basics, you know, what is, sure. what is CBD? We've kind of danced around it a lot, but what would you say to our listeners is CBD and, you know, what are some of the most common things that, that customers are using it for? 
So, boy, that's a big question. What is CBD? Well, it depends on how you look at it. But what CBD is, is it's a, uh, a naturally occurring compound that's found in uh, various different plants, but primarily found in hemp slash marijuana plants. The cannabis sativa plant is where its largest occurrence is. It fits into a receptor in, as you described, Hillary, the endocannabinoid system. Uh, the endocannabinoid system stretches throughout your entire body. It's in different muscle tissues. It's in, it's it's attached to almost all of your organ and muscle tissue systems. And these receptors, CB1 or CB2 receptors, take in different types of cannabinoids. CBD is one of many cannabinoids. THC is another cannabinoid you might be familiar with. That's the psychoactive substance that's in marijuana. They're all different types. There's CBG, CBN. There's all these different CBs and THC. And CBD is the most abundant one in, in the hemp plant by far, in the marijuana plant, which are the same plant. It's the most abundant, and it has started to prove itself to be useful for a lot of things. Um, the, probably some of the biggest things are like inflammation. Uh, so if you if you talk to, uh, you know, a lot of uh, I've, I've met a lot of ladies, uh, elderly ladies that like to knit. They like to quilt. They like to do things with their hands. Their hands are getting to hurt. Uh, these ladies end up with these CBD creams. They rub it on their hands. They say, my goodness, my hands haven't felt this good since I was a teenager. Uh, so inflammation is a big thing. A lot of people are using CBD and finding great success with it as like a mood stabilizer. It's a very calming thing. Uh, some people are even using it to cure insomnia and taking larger dosages at night uh, and curing problems like that. But uh, it's it's been found to have an impact on just a vast array of things. Uh, there's kids with epileptic seizures. You might've heard of Charlotte. If you haven't look up Charlotte's web and then the word cannabis, you'll learn about one of a, one girl out of a set of twins that was having epileptic seizures and was very likely going to die of a very early age. And she's now on a strain of marijuana, uh, that is extremely high CBD and low THC. And she rarely, if ever has a seizure. So we found CBD to be very impactful, Probably, actually, not probably, in my opinion, undeniably the most impactful substance on planet Earth for children with epileptic seizures. Uh, in fact, once they get on it, usually within a week, they can stop taking every single other pharmaceutical drug that they were on. And this is doing a thousand times better than what any of those drugs were doing. And for, you know, other people like vets, it's been known to curb the PTSD that they deal with after they've seen the horrible things that they've seen to fight for the freedom of our country, you know, that haunts them every day, that drives 20 of them a day to commit suicide. You know, when you look at CBD or THC, either one, uh, it seems to curb that interest in, in those suicidal thoughts that, you know, are, are found commonly in PTSD. So, you know, I think it might be easier to say, what does CBD not have an impact on <laughs> before it would be to say, what does it have an impact on? We're literally learning every day about the things that it's having impacts on. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, yeah. How, how else do you think that we could continue to, to get education and information out there to help, educate around some of the, I wouldn't, I don't know about calling it negative views, but just maybe uninformed about, um, you know, the use of cannabis. It's been around for thousands of years, you know, Chinese emperors Absolutely. have used it. 
Yeah. What are, mm-hmm. what are some ways that, that you see would, would be helpful to um, educate those who may, yeah, just, just have kind of a closed mindset around that because it's been linked with, uh, well, just kind of an uh, illegal substance for so long. Right. Yeah, exactly. Reefer madness, right? So we're going back to we're going back to reefer madness. Uh, you, you know, it, I look at the market, Hillary, and I really see two sets of people that are against, you know, cannabis in any form or fashion. And one of them are the undereducated, and then the others are the stubborn. And I just don't feel like a lot of the stubborn they have their own political agendas. Uh, you see very commonly that their pockets are being lined with pharmaceutical companies or big tobacco or alcohol or whoever that is, and they spread their propaganda. That's a thing, and that's not an that's not a thing isolated to cannabis. That's just a reality of the world. Then there's the segment that we can really focus on, which are the undereducated, and and you know if you're going to try to persuade an uneducated person what you've got to do and it leads back to everything we've been saying in this in this interview here is that you've got to find reputable sources of actual right. research you know they're not going to take your facebook facts as i call them you know that's not going to work they're not going to buy into your facebook facts but if somebody that is charged by the american medical association to do good work says hey here's what i think i'm a university i'm a medical researcher i'm a scientist uh, and this is all curated uh, then it's very easily possible but there's a lot of sources to get that information one is to visit pharmacies and marijuana dispensaries we have this information and another thing is you can go to our website a lot of our videos are posted a consumer can go there you know, you can also just Google it and you're going to find a growing number of sources every day. I got a buddy named Max Simon who runs a company called Greenflower Media. They've got an online channel you can go watch. Some of it's free. Some of it costs money. It's like Netflix, you know, and and you can learn about CBD from medical professionals, experts. But the thing is, is they, they've got to be open to the idea of, hey, this isn't a bunch of snake oil. There's something real here. And usually the easiest thing to do is stick them in front of someone who couldn't use their hands days before that's using CBD cream. You know, what I've learned about the modern world is people don't trust science. They don't trust any of those things, but for some reason they trust other people. And so if you take somebody whose life has been impacted by cannabis in some way or another, either a kid that used to have seizures or a vet that used to want to commit suicide or a woman that used to quilt the quilts and knits and her hands made it where she couldn't anymore. Now she can. That's hard evidence. You know, that's who cares about your science. Those are just facts. Like here's a test case. This person didn't take it. Then they did take it. And this is what happened. So that's what I encourage is the people that are being positively impacted. They need to be the ones to speak up. It's it's on them. It's our responsibility as consumers mm-hmm. to educate the non-consumers. Yeah, as to yeah. Why there, we are and, and is there any way that you're able to capture that with um, the technology that you're sharing? Uh, I know that that maybe there was something else out there. It's been a while since I've I've looked, but um, basically it was a. Uh, way to crowdsource information. You know, there's so many different variances of um, cannabis and 
um, you know, like the different percents or the different strains and, and different things and, and what people are using. Um, is that at all part of your uh, data collection or do you stick primarily with um, the, the medical community, physicians and, and uh, pharmacists, nurses uh, and other researchers? So sort of in the middle, uh, we don't get into the individualized strains because those are plants and literally they change every growing season. So, you know, following each individual strain and those kinds of things is practically impossible. It's a moving target you can never catch up to. Uh, but what we but what we do follow is, you know, as we were talking earlier, these various medical professionals and keep track of that. But what's more important than even that is just a general baseline education that we see, like what is CBD? What is the endocannabinoid system? There are just some baseline facts that need to get out there. And as we were talking earlier, uh, you know, about the the various, uh, the history of cannabis. We like to put the history of cannabis out there. We think that if more people know that cannabis was first prohibited in California under the Poison and Pharmacy Act of 1907 and why that happened, because it was lumped in with opium, cocaine, and morphine, which I don't think anybody on earth with any sense would say it should be lumped in with opium, cocaine, and morphine at this point. You know, that's how this thing happened. And so it's it's more about undeniable things that don't even require research. Like this is the endocannabinoid system. This is what CBD is. This is this, you know. So it's a lot of the history of it more than anything. I believe that gets people to stand up. And then also to go back to your thought line, which is, you know, what has gone on throughout time. You, like you said earlier, Chinese emperors used it. It was as early as 2900 BC that marijuana was referenced as, as a, popular, a popular medicine for, uh, for possessing both yin and yang is what the emperor had to say. In 1500 BC, it was, there was a medical marijuana in the Chinese pharmacopoeia. You know, 1500 BC, it was looked at as the primary medicine. And so people, people don't know this. They've never been taught any of these things. And I think just understanding that the last hundred years is this tiny blip in time of this plant's, you know, nearly 5,000 year history. It's only the last hundred years when William Hurst, William Randolph Hurst helped get it made illegal that there wasn't people using it. I think that alone helps people understand. So we really after that kind of content. Hmm. Okay. Very interesting. Well, Jeremy, uh, this has been very fascinating just to hear more about what's happening within the education space and, and technology space uh, around the cannabis industry. Um, do you have any any you know final advice that you tell listeners about how they could stay up to date on what's happening with with CBD and the cannabis industry? Yeah, you know you, you need to know because it's dramatically impacting your life since there's a system and it is probably the most powerful, let's say quote unquote nutraceutical. Uh, and it's to continue to to do your research and find a professional that you trust. You know we're starting to see pharmacists. 
uh, take over the market. I would argue that 50% of the CBD market will eventually be sold through pharmacists. And we're trying to do the best we can to educate a pharmacist because uh, if we educate a pharmacist, then we can henceforth educate thousands of people through that pharmacist. So I would encourage people to find a trusted resource, make it a website, make it a person, doesn't matter, but find a trusted resource and follow this education as it unwinds and we learn more. Awesome. And where can listeners find out more information about Enlightened Wellness? Absolutely. You can visit www.enlightenedwellness.io. If you want to learn more about the marijuana side of our business, you can visit getenlightened.io, which is the more marijuana side and, and Enlightened Wellness is more of the pharmacy side. Uh, And you can see examples of all of our content. If you're a pharmacy owner or dispensary owner, you can see what our value proposition is that we offer to people. And if you're a consumer, you can just go watch some of the videos that we that we run up uh, on the screens themselves or find out where these screens are. So you can go visit them in person. Well, there is certainly a lot to learn about the cannabis industry. Things continue to change and evolve so hopefully this will help educate you some more our new book on women in leadership will be launching soon head over to amazon and search for how pharmacists lead to sign up to be in the first to get access to our new book on women in pharmacy leadership Thanks again for listening to this episode. We are going to be relaunching our newsletter. So be sure that you're signed up over at pharmacyadvisory.com. There's a place to sign up for the newsletter and we're going to be sharing some good content there. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. 